0: Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast, the
1: Podcast, yeah. 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 where we discuss everything you need to know and perhaps some things you don't about how to fail forward in young adult ministry. These monthly podcasts discuss culture topics, interview guests,
0: cover books, and rift on anything else that we feel like is relevant. Hello, my name is Kenny. I live in the Boise, Idaho area where I'm the volunteer director with my local
1: church young adult ministry and i'm chris in cincinnati ohio i'm on staff with university christian fellowship as a church engagement catalyst and the national coordinator for campus mission which is an outreach of the church of the nazarene to college and university students
0: and i'm jeremy in nashville tennessee where i serve as the university pastor and community engagement pastor at Trebeka community church
1: and here Here we go go. here we go
0: go it's chris and kenny for the yamcast this month because jeremy is experiencing a very
1: important life event also his wife shifting from a man to man to his own defense
0: i really liked it when you when you when you texted that yeah that third child requires a whole different parenting tactic, because you, you have there's five of you in your family, right, Chris? Most days,
1: yeah.
0: Right. Well, I mean, there's five members of my immediate family, but we have two college students, so. Um, yeah it uh, it it cha- it changes things now. Now Jeremy, it's like there's three of us, and we all have five in our family, and I don't know. There just seems something strangely. Uh, I didn't feel like anything was missing,
1: but that's quite satisfying. It's a nice parallelism. It is.
0: Uh, Chris, I'm driving to um, Reno, Nevada tomorrow night late. Tomorrow's my youngest son, my 16 year old. Well, he'll be 16 tomorrow, his birthday. And then right. he has a track meet, or not, tra- I keep saying track meet. It's cross country season. Cross country. He, he has a cross country meet. And he runs at seven o'clock. And so when, when he's done running and we've had the proper celebrations for whatever happened during that race, which it's all good, um, then I will just be leaving from the cross country meet, driving to Reno to, to spend a few short hours in a hotel bed and then doing the Spartan Beast on Saturday morning uh, with my friend Robbie from church. So that's happening this weekend.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So have you been doing some extra training preparation?
0: I have. And actually the the phone clock or phone clock, the that's a new one. The phone call uh at the top of the hour um is my coach that's calling to like have pre race conversation with me. And that's when he scheduled it. And I need to keep it on his schedule. And so that's why we we may be done, we may pause and come back, but he's he's been getting me ready for this man. So I've I've been grateful he's your sports psychologist well I mean kind of he's just I'm just a really big fan of his and he agreed through some he agreed to do some coaching with me
1: so yeah cool Uh,
0: tell me about tell me about um, local ministry updates and you know personal
1: ministry updates for you I'm interested uh yeah things with intervarsity continue to go and grow and uh i mean basically i feel like i'm still i'm just now wrapping up my first year uh with intervarsity in this new role um but some good things are happening finally some travel is in the near future so i'm kind of excited about that i'll be um uh, headed to a campus ministry gathering with uh for the Every Campus uh, kind of partnership thing that's going to be down in Destin, Florida, in November. Okay. And then I've got a, another thing coming up in Chicago, and uh, yeah, so that's that's going well. Trying to just basically, I'm building relationships with some churches and pastors who want to reach uh, college campuses that are in their, you know, in their jurisdiction, so to speak, in their parish communities um not that we use the word parish much in the nazarene world but i like it i do um yeah yeah so uh some things are going good there um uh, basically the young adult the college age young adult thing that i am a part of as just a volunteer really in my own church um, has been going good i'm building some good relationships um in fact as we get into discussing some mentorship and things like that today um I feel like there's definitely been some parallels to what we were reading this week and and what's going on for me personally with some of the young adults, especially the ones who just finished high school and they're they're some of them are staying local in Cincinnati but going to college um and so just kind of mentoring them and inviting them into some conversations about faith and life as a college student now and and how how that's going um I just trained a couple of Uh, our young adults as baristas um, last night so they're helping us in our cafe on Sunday mornings to crank out some specialty drinks Um, we have a little coffee area basically we have free coffee for everybody on Sunday mornings but we have specialty coffee drinks and espresso machine and stuff set up and all proceeds from that uh, help support campus ministry initiatives Um, and I try to use mostly mostly young adults and college students uh, to help in that area of ministry, so it's cool to get some more young adults involved in in serving again. You know that's going to dovetail nicely into our into our discussion today. I think, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, good things are going on locally as well as kind of my my role with interVarsity, which is more national, more church engagement kind of stuff. Um, but I'm still getting used to that. I'm getting used to less one-on-one time with college students and more time with leaders and churches and pastors, um, especially coming through this season of, you know, students going back to campus and, you know, what we call new student orientation time and SO time is a big time for most campus ministers, you know, to try to connect with incoming freshmen, especially as they, right. they come to a campus. It's weird, uh, you know, not to be fully engaged in that part of campus ministry, for the first time, um, in 12 years or so. So that's a bit of an adjustment for my identity and, uh, you know, my schedule mm. and all that. I mean, as far as schedule goes in family, it's, I mean, I'm much more balanced now. I'm working from home, um, and spent the afternoon yesterday working on fifth grade math problems with my boy. <laughs> um, so it's good for my family that I'm, I think I'm around more than I have been the past few years of normal campus ministry gig okay um but yeah good things how about you uh locally um
0: it's been fun to the schools in the area just getting all started back up and um with uh, church and just worship community and everything more college students and young adults kind of coming around and and connecting i've i've recruited a a few more volunteers to help with, um, our connect time on Sunday mornings between worship hours. And so I've actually recruited like older, uh, young adult couples to do that. And then some old, some other older couples, but I just, they're, they're awesome at it. Like they've like, yeah, I mean, like, I know how this is and I can bring some snacks. And my wife and I will be there. And and they just welcome young adults that are you know younger and and so it's it continues to be more of like a young adult networking than it is a young adult ministry. But the older young adults in our group, they went they went on a retreat all on their own. Um, it was it was a fun thing. It was like a speaker and worship and devotions and 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 like you might think of like a retreat. If you had a, like a ministry retreat, but one of them, their family has a cabin, so they went a couple hours north to one of the kind of. The, vacationing areas um in the mountains and and uh there's about 10 12 of them of of our older young adults and they just kind of went and did their own thing had a fantastic time um and i think it's something they're going to keep doing and and that's just i just get to go hey what are you guys going awesome oh how'd it go Did you guys have a- it just fantastic i mean it was hard but but they're like you know it's kind of lame though because there's people that are part of the worship team on sunday mornings and they wanted to come back early because they didn't want to miss out on doing that i'm like yeah lamos, jeez Oh, man, that's horrible. Uh, But at the same time, I was like, "Ah, too bad they couldn't have the morning off. But I mean, they are. They're an integral part of that. So and those are things that have happened on their own. And I just kind of get to get to witness Um, something. I was I was at Northwest Nazarene this week in a um, in a class of all uh, seniors that will be graduating this year. And I've known all of them since they were freshmen. So it was kind of, I was just a guest in the class and then the prof let me share a little bit about what I do with Shepard and internships and fellowships and stuff. And um, But it was just fun to see where they're at and how they're doing and how they've grown over the last few years. And then on, what night was it? Tuesday night, um, the International uh, uh, Rescue Committee in our area has started receiving um, refugees again. And so, Um. We actually have 400 people from Afghanistan that will be relocated in the Boise area. And so they're trying to build out their volunteer network again. Apparently I'm the only person in the Boise area that they have on like text dial for when they need beds placed in, in housing. And it's a slow trickle right now. um, But there are two opportunities this week and I could only take one schedule wise. And so I recruited a couple of young adults and we went and set up five beds in a single family apartment dwelling um wow. tuesday night but one of the they, they were both missionary kids one had spent some time um in singapore and the other one her parent, her parents are um missionaries in poland and so it was just it was an older missionary kid guy that's driving and two younger missionary college students that know each other and we went and set up beds for refugees so that was kind of fun um yeah. and kind of showing them the ropes and hoping to build out volunteer stuff there but i IRC is a great local partner. Um, I'm trying to get that to be a little bit more like formalized with our church, um, but I'm I'm kind of the connection, and I keep bringing people into that. So it's it was fun to do service stuff with young adults. Um, I'm excited about the mentoring conversation in the chapter two. Uh, I want to figure out how to build that out a little bit more, so there's opportunity for young adults to connect with people, so that mentoring can kind of organically happen. Um, but I've got some opportunities individually with some people. And I just find that super rewarding. The reverse mentoring that happens for me as I'm learning and Mm -hmm. gleaning from them is, is super vital um, just for my own personal well-being and growth. But yeah, there's some, our little youth young adult network is is going good. And, and. um,
1: um, Have you been able to, to, uh, have you been able to keep the uh, the elders of the church away from the the donuts and the the goodies no
0: no in fact i had that conversation again uh just this last sunday of like they almost drop it like when i go whoa whoa, hold on a second these are for young adults it's almost like they drop it like like and they just walk away like whoa 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 like you know and we have the how many young adults are you i had one guy he's like i'm at least you know three 20 year olds and change i'm like then you get three muffins you get three pumpkin chocolate chip muffins that are gluten-free
1: and he's like i'll just take one
0: i'm like okay but you qualify so yeah that's 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 been fun so keep doing that and then um the pre the the pre young adults um they're coming around so you know if you're a senior in high school uh the first one's free and then after that we're just trying to get you addicted um yeah but i do have some of those like teens that come around and they just assume that anything that they can see must be theirs. So I'm on the youth staff, I can I can deal with that. But yeah, it's a problem. If there's food in the lobby, people assume it's it's open it's open season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know that would that would be impossible to to pull off at our at our church unless we ducked into a a private room and and staged someone at the door to card everybody. Right.
0: No, it's good. Good, good local stuff. It's going good with my work with Shepherd remotely. Um tonight we've got tonight is Fellows Night, and they're doing that one on, on Google Meet. And so Alan gets food delivered to all of the locations. Um, so the meals provided. And then we we've been having um Alan hosts Thursday nights and when on Tuesday nights for virtual devotions, I I host that. Um, but uh Alan's been having the different fellows share their backs their backstory and then when I can't be online or whatever he records it and sends it to me man their stories are amazing It just it's yeah. stuff you you'd never know unless you just take the time to ask somebody hey would you share your story would you mind doing that and then you do and you're like wow you know they had yeah. no idea that stuff was going on in your life and it just bonds everybody together a, a little bit more so there's a great cohort and a lot of just camaraderie that's that's blossoming among the, the fellows at shepherd this year and um i'm finding it quite rewarding fellows now there's 14 yeah okay and some of them are part time because they're bridge students and they're doing they're doing six week classes at a time through indiana wesleyan university um and so you've got like full-time fellows and part-time fellows so if they're a bridge student then they're they're doing school at the same time but i think we have the majority are bridge i think we have three full-time fellows right now and the rest of that. And so the other nine are our bridge fellows. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, man. Okay. Uh, I mean Jerry, I miss Jeremy.
1: Yeah.
0: I like you, Chris. We like each other, but we miss our, our buddy Jeremy. I'm glad that um their their little girl's um name, Kavya Is that how you say that? I was wondering
1: how to pronounce. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I haven't talked to him to hear him say it, but it's K-A-V-Y-A. V-Y-A. Yeah. I wonder
1: if that is that a traditional Indian name.
0: Well be my guess since the middle name was Sullivan, and I'm pretty sure that's Jeremy's middle name too. Yeah. So I Sully. Yeah. There's another there's another Sully in the house. Yeah. It, it's K Sully now.
1: Yeah. Man, they've gotten some good pictures of him with the baby. Oh, Ritu as well. Um, they have. The, one, the ones he's posted. These are some classic little daddy daughter photos. Love it.
0: It is precious. Yeah. And he is, yeah. he is schmitten for sure. <laughs> so, Culture Corner, are we going there?
1: Yeah. Let's get cultural.
0: I have, um, I was telling you earlier it's just kind of a hot take headline cultural corner here from this futurism article more than half of young adults think humanity is doomed according to a new poll um you know given climate change and a pandemic and the wars that are raging and like all this different stuff um it's this i mean the headlines in the article are it's a frightening future um and young adults think so, too. And here's some different polls on this. But what were your thoughts on the article?
1: Um, you know, it just, my first thought, honestly, was so interesting how I feel like I just read somewhere else that Gen Z is, like, hopeful, that they're more right. hopeful <laughs> than than millennials. And then you see something like this and, and see, oh, young adults think humanity is doomed. Um, but this article is is definitely kind of zooming in on, I think, environmental concerns, especially in terms of, I don't know, like how the government is involved with environmental concerns. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just it wasn't just an American, a U.S. thing, was it? Because there was reference no. to some global. Some no, global ten,
0: 10 countries, North and South uh, America, continent, Europe, Asia, Africa and Australia. And roughly 75% of the respondents said that the future is frightening, while almost 40% said they're now hesitant to have
1: children because of it. I should be laughing. It's not funny. Now, I will say that I have talked to some, some Gen Zers, one might be in my family, um, <laughs> who have basically voiced that concern of like, yeah, I'm not sure I want to bring any kids into this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have heard that from probably at least... A handful, meaning two or three. um But generally, I feel like the the college age, you know, the eighteen to twenty, whatever that I hang out with, I don't get. I don't get this sense of gloom and doom, kind sky of is falling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't either. I'm I curious mean, there's
1: how that perspective changes based on whether or not it's a, a faith. A, a a group that's kind of in a faith context versus not
0: the article did make a difference yeah I, I don't know either and the article didn't really address that but it did say that those that are that come from more uh poorer countries were more likely to say that the future is is not bright and that that um it's it's scary than than those that were coming from countries that maybe had some more resources and, and affluence and, and maybe feel like things are out of your control too. And then, you know, decisions that governments are making that you may or may not agree with or align with, and don't feel like you have any, you know, particularly around climate change. Um, and I saw something on the news last night that said it's actually accelerating faster than they thought that, that it was going to. Um, and, and so like, what are we going to do? I mean, what do you do when you live in a country and now the, what you can actually not just talk about the water level rising but like the ocean level has risen and now there's less places to live where you've like mm. ancestrally grown um generation upon generation i mean that's that's frightening
1: yeah for sure why uh, i live in idaho way inland so is ohio although i guess detroit right now is flooded and uh dealing and course there was that flooding recently in tennessee it is interesting some some of the weather the climate climate impacted weather events you know that just continue to happen and again sometimes it's hard to know well are more things happening nowadays or we just have such quicker access to news that Mm. we have the perception that more things are that too that's hard to kind of filter out uh, but um certainly it feels like there's more interesting weather events happening at a faster pace in my lifetime um but it could just be the awareness thing hearing about it more both and yeah um yeah all right I mean, well i maybe- think it's this definitely makes me just think like as i engage with you know general Zers, um you know that just to realize that this might be on their mind um, more so than it is in my mind, you know.
0: Yeah, good point. And that we we have a we have a hope to offer, and that comes through relationship and pointing to Christ. And um, not that I'm I'm not a like use this planet however you want to. I'm a, I'm a creation care person, but I also kind of wonder like, are my plastics really getting recycled when I recycle them? Where are they going? Are they being buried somewhere on someone else's soil? Um, I hear things. And, but I want to, I want to do the best I can with what I know to do and, 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 and live responsibly and not just with like recycling, but like resources and that um, I'm not my own and it belongs to God and how does he want me to navigate this, this life and that um, living from that point of purpose and beyond myself and, and I think that can be a very hopeful posture in the world that it's not just about me. but caring for other people. And I think that that's something that uh, is even touched on in the chapters that we're about to talk about, but of like engaging in service and things that matter and not just about, um, not just about a cause, but contributing to things together in in community. So segue. Well, just to
1: wrap up on that, I, I do think that a more robust view of, you know, the goodness of creation, um, you know, and that God's redemptive activity is, is not just to save humans out of this scenario, but to redeem and restore all of creation. I mean, I do think that version of the gospel, which I think is pretty, um, pretty biblical um, is hopeful. I mean, I think it really yeah. is. And you know, things like that, that perspective on creation, on what God is up to in the world, I think is, is a good, you know, angle for Gen Z, for college students, college age young adults to be aware of. And I feel like that's, that's a shift too, that's been happening. Um, not just for me personally, but I like in the denomination in a Wesleyan kind of holiness, Nazarene, whatever environment, I feel more and more emphasis, hear more and more emphasis on that version of the gospel, instead of the truncated version, which is basically just starts with the fall, and just talks about, hey, sin, Jesus is the answer. But there's this bigger approach to the gospel that God created everything good, then sin, then the fall. Jesus, you know, redemption, and then restoration, what is God up to Um, You know, in Christ and in our lives in Colossians, where it says God is reconciling all things to himself through Christ, and we get to collaborate and be part of that. So anyway, I like that sometimes that gets tagged as a more Reformed uh, perspective or a, a Reformed theology, but I don't think they paid for any copyrights to that so <laughs> well i i like the the invitation to
0: think about it as life between the trees and in, in in creation in genesis and the new creation and revelation and oh. where you be where you begin your reading and end your reading in scripture makes a really big difference on your eschatology and how you think yeah. that god is going to bring all these things into into being in the way that he intended and, and hopes for for creation um, and so if 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 the bible is right and heaven comes to earth, and God makes everything new, like I've read about, Um, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on that growing up, and I'm not sure all the reasons why, but that seems like a pretty big deal, and pretty hopeful, which means um, maybe I should care about where I live right now, and maybe I should not only just care about, like, the, the, the tangibles, but the intangibles of relationship around me as well, whatever they're posture beliefs or creeds are um and that they're made in the image of god um and i want to be a part of that restorative um journey and story and and so yeah i think it's hopeful i don't i don't think all is doomed i don't i mean i read this article and i kind of looked at it was like oh like i said hot take Um, it's frightening the future is frightening but man i always have i always choose to have the perspective that the best days are ahead I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a, a fatal optimist that way. Fatalistic
1: Optimistic optimist. Optimistic fatalist. Yes. Man, and talk of new creation, it. it sounds like you're being influenced by, uh, you know, new creation conversations, little Scott um, NNU pastor. I Never heard of him. Name. Scott. Never heard Scott, of him. Scott, Scott, Scott. Daniels. Oh
0: that guy. Yeah. Actually, no, I haven't been listening to his podcast, but yeah, I would be in line with that. I know what he's talking about.
1: I have people good episodes on there.
0: Yeah, you're listening? That's a good that's a good yeah, yeah. podcast
1: to tune into. I mean it's it's not as good as the rise and fall of Mars Hill, but um Are you yeah, the one that told cold. me
0: about that? Because I'm I'm oh, listening sh- to that.
1: Are you? It's interesting, yeah.
0: I'm I'm actually gonna listen to uh, that on my ride to Tahoe tomorrow night. A lot of people are, people are driving...
1: frustrated with that with that podcast, but there's some good and bad to that podcast for sure, but it's definitely interesting, especially if like you and me probably, you know, we've we came of age spiritually and in ministry in some ways, uh, you know, during that that era of time and when, you know, Driscoll was just such a big deal. So that's it's an interesting story.
0: Well, it's it's um, kind of like it's kind of like uh ecclesiology between the two Mars Hills whether it's the one in Portland or the or the or the one in in uh, Minneapolis Grand Rapids Grand Rapids that's right yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah. which which Mars Hill do where, where where do you slide on on the uh, on the continuum there and man I I found I listened to the first episode or the original
1: Mars Hill Acts chapter 17 I think which that's is the my favorite one. one yeah I speak from that's that the a best lot. one yeah so good just a review for anybody's catching up. You know, we're looking at this, this book kind of giving it a bit of a, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it a thorough review, but a good discussion uh, from Beth Severson. uh, Not done yet. Reaching and keeping unchurched emerging adults. So she's found these bright spot churches that seem to be really good at reaching unchurched emerging adults or what she in these chapters they are calling formerly unchurched emerging adults. Hmm. um who are now churched and one of the secrets has been that these churches all young adults so in involving
0: contributing before committing so i mean the basic premise of this chapter is that like don't wait for them to become not everybody's on the same continuum and and journey and or linear journey in faith in christ so They don't need to be a believer in Christ before they have a sense of belonging and are contributing in community. That may happen
1: actually later. You don't have to be saved to serve. There you go. That's, that is,
0: that is a. She summed it up
1: at one point, kind of like that. Yeah. Um, You know, which is, yeah, which is a great point. Um, She opens the chapter talking about this young adult going through a crisis And who reaches out to a friend who happens to be a youth pastor who invites this young adult to get involved with the youth ministry and be part of their community. And I think that was a that was a great, great analogy. And, you know, the kind of thing obviously you and I are trying to do as we engage with young adults in our church um, is to try to quickly invite young adults into, you know, involvement into being a part of um, things at the church. Um, but not too fast, because I'm yeah. not trying to scare
0: them away. But sometimes they just like jump in or like involved. And you're like, whoa, I didn't, I, you just started going to church here. And now you're like running the cameras on Sunday morning. Like what, what, what happened? I actually had a conversation today with a, with a young adult that's been a part of our church for five years now, maybe i yeah, five years. And I just said, why have you stayed around? Like you got out of school, and you're still here, and you're bringing friends to church and stuff. Like, why our church what is it about it like what um and he just started from when he came on as a volunteer and then an intern and like different things along and it was just super i don't think there's a formula to like encapsulate and then make somebody else swallow that pill and then like they're going to be a part of your church forever i think it was just his journey um but it was definitely one of he got to be a part of a place where he was contributing now he was already a believer he's he's going to be a believer um he's he's very much a a disciple seeking to grow in his faith in, in, in Christ. Um, I, but I I just found it interesting. He could go to any other church in the area and he was done with school. He was done with his internships. The only reason he's staying a part of our church is because he wants to, why is that? And so I'm just kind of learning more about that, that from him. Um, Chris, something that, that probably my big takeaways, um, Uh, incomplete sentence that I highlighted in this chapter is on page 94 it says what reaches young people is giving them an opportunity to contribute not necessarily to join a cause I've had one-on-one conversations and read a lot of things over the years of like whether it's millennials or Gen Z of like they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves I think that's true I think it's true for a lot of people a lot of generations Uh, but they want to be a part of something that makes a difference and they need a cause and if you have a cause and it's it's, you know, whether you know, it fits in a category of social justice or just helping other people in some way, like they're going to want to be a part of that. And I've heard that as kind of the thing on, on a hardcore end of it, of like every young adult you talk to, you need to like give them a hard line challenge of you need to be giving your life away to something that matters and like, like cause it out like all the way. But I'm not seeing that played out in every young adult's life that I'm in community with of like that's, that's what they're after. Do they want to contribute though in some way and be a part of, of, of something where you know their presence is like making a difference and, 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 and is a part of the, the fabric of life? I, I think I boil that down to the community. Every young adult that I've met, they're not saying it necessarily, but they're looking for a place where there's other people their age that they can relate but they don't want just other people their age, especially in a church worship setting. Um, but the ones that stay around have discovered a way or been invited to contribute um, in, into community. That has been my experience, and I really resonate. I actually made a note here um, in the chapter that it's, it may be about a cause, but it's definitely about inviting young adults to contribute.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that, that I I don't think, you know, you just throw out some grandiose vision and a cause to be a part of and young adults automatically sign up and jump in. Uh, I would say it's more like what you're saying. It's as as they get engaged in community, they do like the idea that they can plug in, they can serve, they can contribute in some way, especially if it's if it helps give them a sense of identity and mission and belonging. And certainly like I talked to one of our young adults who is leading a small group in the youth ministry. And I asked him, you, you know, about that experience and why he does that. And he said, well, you know, part of it, he's spiritually mature and he wants to kind of give back to students, to younger students and help them. Um, But I think part of it also is that the youth ministry, the volunteer culture in the youth ministry has a very good sense of community and belonging. And it's fun to be a part of that. It's it's fun to have this group that you feel like you're all kind of in this thing together. Um, And then, you know, these a few young adults that we've kind of recruited to get involved with helping us serve coffee on Sunday mornings. And a few of them have taken an interest in, you know, learning a little bit more about the barista craft, so to speak, and how to pull a shot and steam milk and create a, a good, you know, latte of sorts, or even a cortado, maybe. Um, You know, that's been fun, because you can tell they're excited about, hey, this is a really cool way to kind of contribute and give back. I think young adults, and again, sometimes this, is, this sounds weird to even hear it come out of my head, because I'm a 50 year old you know, white dude or whatever. I don't know what white has to do with it, but. You are white, um, I can tell. I am, I am white. I'm definitely whited out with this light right here, but. Um, as bad as it looks. But sometimes when I hear myself say things, I'm like, ah, what authority do I have to say what young adults do or don't, you know, want or whatever. But I have been hanging out with them quite a bit. And I do get the sense that if they feel like their contribution is valued, if they feel like they're they're given um, and this, to me, is one of these bright spot things, a church that will value a young adult and say, you know, we, we would love to have you be part of what we're doing. We would love to give you some responsibilities, some, you know, give you access, give you a, a sense of, um, I don't know, you know, leadership and engagement. Um, I think those to me, I, that's what I'm seeing. The, our young adults that do seem to be connected and plugged in. Now, what I would say about my own church locally, I don't see a lot of unchurched young adults that are just kind of wandering in and within a few weeks to get plugged into something. That right. that is not something I'm seeing happen in my own church. So I don't know that we would qualify as a bright spot for for uh, her her research, but. I do like that idea of not, you know, she talks about, I thought this was good. Basically, this, the scenarios, the ways in which typical church culture sometimes works against this involvement piece is that often we have this idea, oh, a visitor ought to be able to, like, just sort of kick back and experience church and worship and not have to serve. So sometimes I think we protect new folks from having to serve. Or we like wait a certain amount of time until we ask them, oh, if you could help, you know, be a greeter or parking lot, whatever. Um, The other thing is fear of giving volunteers some influence without enough training. Yeah. That that piece keeps some from, from doing this. And then also just that sense that, well, we only give people the right to serve once they've demonstrated some skills or once they've earned it. You know, they've earned a place at that table, so to speak. So mm. I thought that was good that she pointed out these are the ways in which churches sometimes shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak, um, and don't do this. And actually, I could see people being nervous about because the story that she starts the chapter with is giving somebody, or maybe it was a later story in the chapter, uh, basically an unchurched, someone who doesn't know Christ yet, um, you know, helping to co lead a small group. There are definitely. Right churches and ministry things I've been a part of where that that would probably not happen um you know because we we can be protective about like who gets into leadership or who does this or that um well, but again we should be discerning the safeguards yeah that's, yeah and that's she right. talks about the safeguards like you're not going to give that person full access they're not going to be the sole leader of a group um but to be an apprentice you know so to speak with someone I mean, it kind of makes perfect sense that that could be part of their journey to Christ is to, um, and this fits with the whole idea of, hey, let, you know, let people belong before they believe, you know, let Mm -hmm. um, people try on, she keeps saying, like, try on Christianity, try on Christian practices, try some of the stuff on before taking on the full identity of, of being a Christian. Um, So, it's good stuff. I I mean,
0: yeah, gave a good overview. All good. Um, in chapter eight, investing, the church is here for you. Uh, you know, I cherry pick the things that I like pay attention to in chapters and I highlight them and go back and look at them and everything. But for me, one of the, one of the soap boxes that I found and then resonated with in this chapter is um, if you aren't having conversations about young adults uh, locally with your church and what it looks like to, to practice hospitality for young adults like that young adults would be welcoming your church congregation um, your worship settings or small groups or whatever um, then yeah you you may not have any young adults there uh, how are you investing in such a way so that young adults would feel welcome and and um, the low-hanging fruit there in my experience has been young adults are looking for other young adults so if there aren't any other young adults around they're going to notice that like immediately And then they're going to go, I'm not sure if I really belong here, unless there's something already like set up to be like, hey, if you're a young adult, you know, we want to welcome you in this area or there's these opportunities here. And then they go, oh, somebody was thinking about me. I want a young adult that doesn't show up on a Sunday morning um, to know that there was something for them on Sunday mornings with our church, even if they weren't there. I want them to know that they could have connected with something not for like a FOMO thing or a, a guilt thing, but just a. There was something for me if I was going to be there, and I, and, and I knew that. I think that's something every church can do really easily. Yeah.
1: I think I jumped the gun, actually. I stole a story from Chapter 8 when I was just talking about Chapter 7, but this example of a group leader who invited the emerging adult to help co-lead, that was actually in this, in this Perfect. chapter.
0: No one, no one knew like, that until you said something, Chris, and now they don't until listening to this, and we're in Chapter 8 right now.
1: Yeah, segway, and I do think segway. a critical step for churches is to not just use young adults to fill spots, right. you know, to like serve in this or that. But this chapter to me takes it to the next level of you want to invest in young adults. Um, so to continue their training and develop them and not just be like, oh, sweet, you're taking care of that. Good. Now I don't have to worry about it. Because um, I do hear a lot of young adults who get frustrated, like with jobs they have right now. Um, where they just feel like they've been thrown into something, they haven't gotten enough training, Um, you know, whether it's serving at a restaurant, or, you know, I heard from another young adult who just graduated and is in like some kind of clinical program for a year, but her supervisor is just terrible and is not helping her figure out anything about the job. So I think, you know, that's very frustrating for young adults to feel like, no one cares enough about them to help them do what they're doing well or to help them grow and develop in it. And to me, this leads right into the mentoring mm-hmm. you know, kind of conversation because um, I think if we're not willing to really invest and mentor young adults, they may serve and help and give back for a little while, but I don't think they're going to have this long-term sense of, of belonging and engagement, you know, with the church if we don't continue to invest in them. Um, So I do like this emphasis. Um, She talks about three traditional things that are always part of mentorship, which I thought was good. Um, Basically, you've got someone with greater experience and wisdom, the mentor. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got them providing some level of guidance and you end up with kind of mutual trust or basically an emotional bond. Those are three major components of mentoring. Um, But she also added... A couple of things that she thought was important um, that came out of, I think, Fuller Youth Ministry stuff with Kara Powell and, and some of the Fuller Youth people. But um, adding these two components, helping young adults reach their goals and aspirations. And to me, that is this investment piece. And then accountability, holding them accountable, um, which, you know, sometimes I think we can think that accountability is like a heavy good cop, bad cop kind of experience for people but I think accountability really does show a level of, of care uh, so, and that's why I think it's it's important even when sometimes I might think as a dad sometimes like oh, I'm not so sure my you know 18 year old wants to be held ac- accountable but in this particular environment as far as mentoring stuff I I think those were all good and I think um, you know we've had conversations about mentoring before and how mentoring seems to work best in a very informal way, as soon as you identify a relationship as a mentoring relationship, you could often kill it, you know, mess it up. Um, And I know you talk about the reverse mentoring kind of stuff that goes on, which makes it, you know, good for, you know, both sides of the equation. But anyway, I thought it was a pretty good conversation there on on mentoring.
0: I I think intentional mentoring is, I don't think it's not a, bad thing i think it can be a a really good thing too it's just when i i found in the times where i've tried to like hey mentoring is a really good thing and so we're gonna make you do it when that happens that way then it's kind of more like oh this feels like homework um however when you have a specific job or role or contributing way or like you need trained in something um i want a mentor i want somebody to invest in me and my experience has been young adults want someone that they can go to, to bounce ideas off of, to troubleshoot, to figure out how to navigate a system. Um, and so this is one of the things I'm really excited about with Shepherd, that has begun with the fellows this year is that they have staff mentors and it's a group mentoring thing. It's once a month. It's two men from the staff, two women from the staff, and then they meet with all the guys the guys meet with the guys and women meet with the women once a month and they do some very intentional like these are staff mentors at shepherd and they're here to help you navigate the system of shepherd and you can ask them questions and problems you run into whether it's interpersonal or it's logistics or it's time off or whatever and and so i think maybe even in a church setting that kind of happens more informally where you're volunteering in tech or worship or youth or small groups or coffee bar or whatever and then the person who oversees that department is kind of the person that invests in you and then there can be some informal mentoring that kind of springs out of the contribution that the young adults are are, are making um, but if you just throw a young adult in a coffee bar and they go and you go hey i, I believe in you i haven't trained you at all but you you, you can figure it out you smelled coffee before i'm sure it'll be fine um i then they're like i don't know be." Do, yeah i, I Thought this was a good I do like coffee. I thought this was a good idea. I have no idea how to do this and everyone's really frustrated with me. They just wanted, they wanted training. They wanted to be taught. And so in in mentoring like that, I think it's really important to have people that are going to like journey with you, do it with you, give you a chance to do it, let you do it, be available for like, hey, let me know if you have any questions. And then let you fly kind of and and operate in your own armor to to like make a cup of coffee or to lead that class, or or whatever, and it's not just a, I trained you once and showed you how to do it, that's what UPS was like for me last year, I showed you how to do it once, how come you don't know how to do it? Well, because I suck, okay, and I don't learn stuff fast, and I need hands-on, and throwing me in with one water wing uh, was not the way for me to learn best, I'm so sorry everyone else around me is much better than I am, that's how. During, that's kind of I
1: During the holiday,
0: during the yeah. holiday season. Yeah, but thanks for being out there and delivering all the Christmas presents to everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, I have some baggage, but I just I enjoy I the, the informal mentoring comes when you have sometimes when you have some formal training about something else completely.
1: No. Yeah. I go back sometimes to uh some things I learned at Starbucks um in training and coaching, you know, new new employees at Starbucks, new baristas um the tell show do model you know where you you know first I'm going to tell you what we do now I'm going to show you and this works really well of course with certain things um and then I'm going to let you do it and I'll you know observe but basically that that idea um now I've I've had trouble translating that into like discipleship into like you know faith integration with you know a, a young mm. adult like okay let me tell you how about an experience i had let me you know you know come with that's me. not Let's, a one for a one know. transfer for sure no 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 um but conceptually i think there is some some helpful stuff there but i do think the crucial piece is that once once we hand it over so to speak or we ask someone to do something is not to just abandon them but to yep. be engaged with them um in in a supportive role. One of the things I got from both of these chapters, I think I noticed a couple of things here and there, is just how important positive affirmation is, how important Mm. speaking, speaking, you know, words of positive stuff, even like eternal destiny kind of stuff. And sometimes I steer clear of, this doesn't come naturally to me, to just you know, hang out with somebody and say, Oh, my goodness, I, God is going to do blank in your life, you know, or God is, I see God doing amazing things. Or sometimes I'm a little bit too realistic. You know, and, you know I may be thinking like, well, man, I don't know if this is your gig or not. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think I need to do more of that just affirming young adults and and helping them know that oh, man, you're awesome. I really see God doing great things in your life. Because um, I mean, that is true. Because if it's up to God, um, yeah, we can trust that God can do <laughs> amazing things, you know, through anybody. So it's not like we're just making stuff up. But there were just a few times where I thought like, oh, man, this reminds me of the power of of just speaking, I, I, I think, g- godly uh, love and affirmation and hope and destiny and things like that. I think we need to do more of speaking those things into the lives of young adults um, just to help, I don't know, encourage them, overcome any sense of, you know, a lack of confidence, insecurities, all those kinds of things. Um, or even the hopelessness. Like we started off in the culture home we talking about, there are things about the world right now that, you know, uh, college age, young adults could be, Fairly pessimistic or hopeless about. Um, but if we continually speak hope, speak God's hope, God's truth, what God is up to, and speak that into their lives, um, that was encouraging for me. That was a good thing. I just kind of ticked off from my own professional development in working with college age young adults. I need to do more of that. Yeah, good. So we involve and we
0: invest. And my takeaway from this episode is tell show do because I rambled on about that for like five minutes and you just summarized it in three simple words tell show and do um cool man that's good that's stuff. the way that's the way I like to be led it's that's the way I like to to lead others and I think the other one the other two just wrap up thought is is where she said in there not all young adults are going to connect with a really big cause but most everybody would really like to contribute to something so do we have opportunities for people to connect and, and contribute to something? I think
1: that's important. But,
0: well, yeah. um, this
1: generation wants to make a difference more than they want to make a living.
0: That's, that's that was, a great
1: little hotline out of the reading too. It was a good, it was a good little quote. Um, I don't know if it applies to everyone all the time, but no. I know some, I know some 20 somethings who are really concerned about making a living right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Same, same. So. Yeah. While well, we're
0: ready cool, to hang hey. out,
1: Chris, until next time, fail forward. Hey, be present. And be teachable. Peace. See ya.